Hey there, and welcome to the Introverted Entrepreneur Podcast. My name is Denise Lee. I'm a coach, a speaker, and advisor dedicated to help improve not just your business, but your entire life. And today, I want to talk with you about something that is really on my heart that I think it's worth mentioning. It's this idea of addiction to emotional pain. But this is not emotional pain. This is any type of situation where you find yourself in and out of destructive relationships with in your work, in your love life, a family, and you just keep going back and forth with people who just don't treat you well or you just don't feel happy. If you are in a situation where you find yourself going back and forth in situations where you just feel depleted and not feeling loved, listen to this episode. We're going to break down what addiction to emotional pain looks like and how to get out of it. And you're going to get some really helpful tips alongside with it coming to you after this short break. Hey, 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 and we're back. I'm so glad that you are choosing to spend your time with me. If this is your very first time listening, I'm wrapping my arms around you and giving you a big old electronic hug. (laughs) Don't worry, I don't have the Rona. (laughs) Make sure you hit that follow, subscribe button wherever you're listening. That way, as soon as I drop a new episode, you'll be able to listen to it lickety split. And those of my homies who have been listening for multiple episodes, thank you so much. I thank you in advance for sharing this podcast with other people. That way we can amplify this message and so that we can be able to have more peace and harmony in our lives. Isn't it wonderful if we're all on the same page and speaking with love rather than intimidating people with threats or guilty or seducing people with shame? I don't want to do that anymore and I know you don't. So if we can share that love and amplify the world in a little in a little areas will be a better place. And if you love to write me a review, I love that. I appreciate that. That also makes sure that the art this voice is being amplified. This message that we're sharing with one another is amplified. And If you're interested in leaving me a voicemail message, I would love to hear from you. Check out the notes section in this podcast. There you'll be able to reach me directly, anchor.fm slash Denise G. Lee. Please, before you start recording, let me know if I have permission to share your message in an upcoming podcast or you just want it just between the two of us. I totally understand. I want to honor your privacy and confidentiality with me. Make sure that you include your name, your hometown, and your question, your comment, or whatever else that is of interest to you. Also, check out info.deniseglee.com slash connect, where you can join my free weekly mailing list where I go into a little bit more depth of the things that I talk about. I offer some resources, some suggestions. Check that out. You can also learn more about me. Click my about story learn about my interest and my passion and connecting with you and sharing these issues about pain addiction and trauma. And I, I am a specialist in trauma and addiction. So that's, I have a really strong heart for it. And I just want to help anyone who is in pain in that way. Also, you can check out info.deniseglee.com slash connect in order for you to access other podcast episodes and be able to inquire about working with me one-on-one or anything else that is of your interest and knowing about what's going on in my world. So that all being said, since this is a very delicate mental health issue, I have a disclaimer that I have to say out loud. This is not me, it's my lawyer. (laughs) So we're all on the same page about what Denise can and cannot do, okay? So this podcast does not provide mental health medical advice, okay? 
This podcast is only for informational purposes only. No material in this podcast is intended to be a substitute for professional mental health advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding your condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen. And please never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something that you heard from me or anyone else that I have on my show, okay? So that all being said, let's get straight into this. You know, for the longest time, I, full disclosure, I didn't really think of myself as addicted to pain myself. I was in and out of tons of toxic jobs, toxic romantic relationships. Most of my friendships never lasted. When I say friendships, I'm literally talking platonic friendships never lasted more than a year and a half. And then those who did last long term, they were just as disturbed and had issues. I mean, don't get me wrong. Everybody has issues. You're walking on this planet, you're going to deal with bumps and scrapes along the road of life and no one's got it all together. But if you're talking with someone that's consistently having one scuffle or one problem over and over and over, and it just seems like a common theme, that's definitely a sign that something's off. And that's the only people that I could really gel and glue to this. And so what I like to do in this time with one another is I want to kind of really break down what emotion addiction to emotional pain is and give you some information some context that you may not have heard anywhere else and as you're listening to this I hope you kind of write some notes down or inquire from me or anyone else I don't really care where you go but if if I'm saying something that is like really applicable to what's going on in your life, I encourage you to investigate that a little bit further because this podcast within itself is not going to be a cure-all. It's just to help signal you if it may be something that's problematic in your life right now, okay? So let's talk about this idea of pain addiction. Let's just define it right now. Now, for a lot of us, I shouldn't say a lot of us, all of us, we were conceived in our mother's womb, right? And our mother, our mother carried us, our biological mother carried us. And unfortunately, a lot of women who have had a lot of stress while during their pregnancy, perhaps they had a pregnancy where there was a lot of financial stability or sexual stability, meaning that they they're the the person that impregnated them, the, the father, child was kind of touch and go in the relationship. There was a lot of pain, a lot emotional pain. Perhaps she had some unresolved emotional issues herself, or she was under a lot of stress because she was doing a whole bunch of other things simultaneously. And so what happens is that a woman who's under a lot of stress, emotional, physical, psychological pain, produces the, a, a chemical called cortisone. It's a stress hormone, okay? And that stress can pass through the umbilical cord into the baby, okay? And on top of, you may not, may have been aware of it, that a baby may not be able to hear what's going on, but they can feel the tension. And on top of the, they receive the huge source of cortisol in their system. And literally before they even pop out of the mother's womb, the baby has become sensitized to stress, that's just off the cuff. So you may have noticed yourself or some of your kids or, you know, family members, but there's some just kids that just seem unsettled. 
They just seem nervous. They just doesn't, they don't seem happy babies. And a huge part of it is their family dynamics in utero. The mama was screaming and yelling or feeling stressed or had insomnia or didn't feel happy and content while being pregnant. And Lord help her, she consumed any type of drugs, alcohol, barbiturates, cocaine, whatever, right? That has a huge bad impact. Cerebral palsy, so many brain disorders of the baby. I don't know exactly what happened to you, but I know for me, I myself, it was very apparent, um, and I found out later in my life that my, my father was a womanizer, and he was frequently having affairs with my schizophrenic, bipolar, fill in the blank, because Lord knows what her technical issue is with my mother, because she refused to get treatment, because that's what sick people do, they don't want to get help. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make is I knew that she was under a lot of stress during her pregnancy, because as I heard about the things that my father did during the early years of, of when I, before I was born, I knew that she was not happy. Okay, so what I'm saying is that for a lot of women, and they're wondering why their kids are freaked out and stressed and and not feeling very at ease or feeling nervous. Well, of course, they're feeling nervous if they didn't feel even in utero felt calm and at ease. Okay. And then fast forward to the early three years, the first three years are extremely, extremely pivotal in terms of whether or not a kid is going to be cemented with the idea that they are feeling safe in an unsafe world, or they feel unsafe in an unsafe world, meaning that do they feel as if they have the the resources, the ability to be able to be equipped to deal with life. And if a kid grows up in a very painful life, especially in those foundational earlier years where there's instability with affection, love, stability, food, warmth, shelter, right? Not only do they become sensitized to cortisol, they also become sensitized to another biotransmitter called norepinephrine. It's called noradrenaline for my folks who are in the UK. And basically what that is, we all have various neurotransmitters. uh, I mentioned cortisol, I talked about uh, norepinephrine. We also have serotonin as a mood stabilizer. Uh, Adrenaline gets our, our body rushed up, the amygdala, that part of our brain triggers it for flight or flight syndrome. But the norepinephrine is, think of it as your no-go neurotransmitter. It keeps you locked in place. It keeps you fragmented. It keeps you stopped. And the reason why it does that is to help you from not flying off a cliff, right? It makes you kind of stop and locked in place. And the people who are addicted to norepinephrine, it's typically where they literally find themselves trapped in situations that are painful, as a a form of last resort, okay? Now, as I'm listening to, to this, I just want to stop and say right now, please, 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 please do not think that what I'm saying is the absolute truth, gospel for your situation, because that requires a one-on-one consultation to really understand your genetic ba- background and makeup. I don't know if you have a chemical imbalance. I don't know anything else, okay? So I'm what I'm saying right here is just generalities. And I just want to just lay that case out because I don't want anyone coming back to me and saying, well, Denise, I, you don't know what you're talking about. There could be other mitigating factors. I'm like, yes, I agree with you. There's other mitigating factors. That's beyond the scope of our conversation. So I just wanted to make sure that you understood that.
So this is a result of being addicted to norepinephrine. It's a result of sensitivity to cortisone, okay? You, and as a result of being in an environment where there is any emotional, psychological, physical, right? Food, shelter, warmth, love. If you are have touch and go on the basics, right? Basics for shelter, basics for love and affection, basis for security, basis for stability. Mom and dad are consistent in what they say. Mom and dad don't make me feel ashamed for being a human being that wants affection and love. If, if there any of that is off, you can imagine like a three-legged chair, right? If I start knocking out your sub- emotional stability or security or comfort, right? Your, your chair, your emotional chair is going to be wobbly. And that as a result of that, it's your scripted for pain. And the way that works is that, unfortunately, our brains are wired for resolution. Okay. If we have experienced some type of psychological trauma, okay, in our earlier years, right, our foundational years, or when I when I say that, it's not even necessarily someone screaming and yelling at you. Imagine if you're in a family environment where your mom's constantly screaming at your dad, your dad's constantly screaming at, at your 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 sister or your brother or whatever, even though they didn't happen to you, that's traumatizing because you're on in an unstable home environment. Okay? So the abuse the abuse is not necessarily on you directly. Okay. It could be also you observing it. Obviously there's physical and there's sexual sexual abuse. There's also emotional abuse where your parents were perfectionists because they were also wounded and damaged. And they always insisted that you do more, better, and be perfect. I remember thinking about one particular client. She was a child athlete and she was so good. She was a professional skier for I forgot but she was a professional skier and she was so good they her parents took out her school and homeschooled her and she, she just had to perform all the time and as a result she developed uh there's no other way to say it sociopathic tendencies because she just wanted to win and compete above all and the reason why she wanted to win and compete was because that pressure was coming from her parents and trust me if you've been trained for at least 18 plus years to compete, conquer, and control, which are masculine tendencies, right? Without context, meaning that understanding to respect, understand the needs, emotional needs of others, you're going to turn into a monster. You're going to be fragmented. And it takes years with someone like me to kind of untangle all that junk, okay? But the point I'm trying to make here is that that psychological damage can have very long lasting impacts and not just how you view yourself, but how you interact with others. And as a result of that being scripted for pain, right? You're going to find your punisher. What I mean by your punisher, meaning you're going to find someone who's going to slave drive you at work, ask you to keep competing, be quiet, don't complain, strive to hit that glass ceiling, whatever. I see this so often with women who enter male dominated areas and they they keep saying rightfully so i'm in an area where i'm more or less asked to compete conquer and obtain more and more and i don't have time for my kids i don't have time for all this other stuff i said of course you entered into a tacit agreement with someone on a on a psychological terms where i said i don't know how to fulfill my needs other than to feel berated withdrawn feeling abused and neglected. So on a psychological 
level, you found someone that was able to more or less beat you into feeling lousy about yourself. Okay. Now, of course, no one does this consciously, but it's because of the wounding from those earlier years. You unconsciously seek areas where you're being punished at the job. You find a romantic partner that will punish you again. Someone who will be just as competing, dominating, aggressive, and they'll punish you in terms of being in and out of the relationship. They'll be touch and go. They'll make promises. They won't keep them. They'll be, they'll cheat and not feel any remorse about, about cheating on you. They'll be able to spend your money and rape you financially in some cases. I've had the unfortunate tale of working with some ladies who their, their lover would lower, more or less dip into the piggy bank and rob her of her savings because she thought that having a joint access was going to cement and create a bond. Well, it does with someone who's emotionally healthy. But unfortunately, the signals for detecting someone who exhibits narcissistic or sociopathic tendencies it didn't trigger like, hey, warning, don't give someone like that uh, abuse a person access to your financial resources because that's that's a sensitive thing. It's like going into someone's orifices. It's the same kind of situation. Like you wouldn't want anyone just ramming up your butthole, right? It's the same thing. Like you don't want anyone ramming up your bank account. And I've, I've seen this, unfortunately, where some people literally got raped financially. Okay. So that's another issue where you're being punished in the romance, either emotionally, sexually, financially. You're getting punished by your parents in terms of demanding you to show up on the holidays and always give a call or making sure that you're doing such and such and such. And then when you when you do call them, they try to make you feel miserable if you're not living their, their idealized lies that they couldn't do for themselves and they're putting it on you. And so you're more or less being punished for their fantasy that they couldn't even live for themselves. That's being That's punishing too. So if you find yourself being punished and that would by your family and friends or for example full disclosure i mean i have an alcoholic brother who refuses to get treatment i remember in the early years when i was in college i helped him not get out of not one but two duis in fact i even did a house swap because i just thought that i by by being supportive for him that he would love me back but that didn't happen he punished me for complaining about him not wanting to get help well, I was getting sicker and sicker and sicker emotionally in codependency. So look, I'm not telling you something that I am not deeply connected to or aware of myself. I'm, I've been there. I've been done that. Got the t-shirt. So I know that with family, okay? You may not have been punished with in your work or your romance or your family, but you might find yourself being punished by friends. The friends that are always critical. They always have to have the last laugh. The ones that has they the, the condescending, sarcastic comments about what you're doing or your job or your livelihood or fill in the blank. That's a punishment to be around someone that demeans who you are, what matters to you, and how you choose to live your life. Okay? So punishment comes in so many different flares and you find yourself in a recurrent pattern in one or perhaps all areas. My love, you may be addicted to norepinephrine. You may be a pain addict. Okay. Now this is not something again that is can be covered in this podcast because there's so much depth about understanding the origins of it. And I don't say all this 
to make you feel uncomfortable. It's like, oh, Denise, I don't want to talk about my past. The past is over with. I'm living my life right now. Just make me feel happy. And love. I love to make you feel happy. I love to support you. I want you to be succeeding. I don't want you to feel pain, but somehow we have to work through it so you can go through it. Okay. The way that our subconscious mind works is that it always looks for a solution. It wants a, it wants some type of remedy. And the way they do it, our brain does it, is by recreating the same emotional pain, same emotional dynamics with people in our work and our love life and in all sorts of relationships so that it can have its happily ever after. Right? And our bodies may feel a sense of tension anxiety, fear, depression, right? And that's our body's way of screaming, help, I still have psychological wounds. And so what I would do or another trained professional would do is come in and help close that gap so that you're not reliving that pain. So even though you may not even think that was a big deal, on a psychological level, your brain is still raving in pain, okay? And... That's no way to live. I've met people in the 30s, 50s, 70s, right? Still impacted on stuff that happened 40 plus years ago. And that's no way to live. You don't deserve to live a life of pain. You were not born to suffer. And this scripting is insidious. And I don't mean to say that you can never push through it without examining it but i'm just telling you it's a lot painful all right now i i'll I'll just full disclosure for some of these cases they're so deep they're so traumatic like for example people who have witnessed murders or were living in a war zone or they were serially meaning like over a long period of time raped by a, a close family member you may need emdr eye movement rapid deprocessing and sensitization training, EMDR, or you might need TMS, transcranial electromagnetic stimulation. I don't know. For some of you guys, it's serious and it's beyond the scope of even what I can do. Depends on the level of seriousness of your pain addiction, okay? But I do know for a lot of us who have this, you may find yourself with a lot of anxiety, you might find yourself being preoccupied with worries. I've met so many people who say, I have, I got diagnosed with ADHD. Reality is you're so anxious, you can't even focus. Your brain's scattered all the time, okay? I've seen so many people who say, I have bi- I'm bipolar. No, boo-boo, you're not bipolar. You haven't been able to taught how to regulate your emotions, so you go up and down and all around. So many people have been bamboozled into labels and then medicated and they never dealt with the issues that caused the emotional instability okay your brain is not designed to go haywire unless it has something unresolved your brain is a beautiful machine but it's also very sensitive to things that have been unresolved and what I want to do is to be able to work with you if that applies to you, okay? Now, what I want to kind of transition and talk with you about is this idea of attachment theory. Because this is all about 
the, this idea of norepinephrine addiction, pain addiction. So let me explain what attachment theory is. It's typically talked about in child psychology, but it also applies for adults too. There's four main areas how people can be attached to human being, another human being. It doesn't matter if it's romantic, platonic, familial, sexual. It doesn't really matter, okay? So there's the first area is anxious, okay? This is the idea where you want to be connected. You can't be connected because you don't know when the ball will drop or they'll leave or you're mind reading or for future telling about what this person may or may not do. You're walking on pins and needles. Okay. There's, there's avoidant where you also want to get connected, but the thought of being intimate scares the crap of you because you don't know how that's going to go down. That's the avoidant where they say, I want to meet up with you. And at the last moment they cancel, or they always have an excuse for why they can't connect with you. Or you might have come up with tons of excuses of why you can't connect with someone. Okay, there's this idea of disorganized where you don't even know where you're coming and going. You, you you can't be able to connect and relate because you don't even know how your emotions. OK, you can't even process it because you're all over the map. And a lot of my folks who have AD, who have been diagnosed with ADD, ADHD, all that jazz, fall in that whole bin of disorganized. And lastly, there's the idea of secure, where you know who you are, you know what you want, what you don't want. You're able to accept people as they are, not as I, as you want them to become, okay? And you'll be able to be in the peace and understanding that you have the choice of accepting or rejecting, but never tolerating things that provide you emotional pain. In fact, the emotional pain is signals for you to depart, okay? The only way out of a negative feeling is a positive decision. What do you have that you don't want? And what do you don't want that you want to have? Followed by action or inaction as soon as possible. The secure person is able to recognize that and make the decision, okay? And for a lot of us who are addicted to emotional pain, it's hard to attach or detach if we don't have the tools, so I'm hoping that as you're listening to this, this is going to be that call to action for you to investigate this further. If you or perhaps you may even be dating someone or engaged with someone on platonic or whatever kind of business level, oh snap, I'm not really feeling connected or this person's not connecting with me. They may be also addicted to pain, okay? So we talked about this idea of the origins in, in utero before we even got to the planet. And then the first early years of our family life, we talked about being a scripted for pain in terms of abuse, physical, emotional, observing abuse from others is also abuse. We talked about emotional abuse from our parents or those who are close to us who demanded that we be better and perfect. Okay. We talked about punt meeting our punisher at our work and our family and all sorts of relationships. And we talked about how it impacts us if we don't deal with the pain in terms of distractions. And then lastly, we talked about the attachment theory and why we, as a result of the pain addiction, we might find ourselves anxious or avoiding or disorganized and connecting with people. Okay. So I know I said a lot, a lot in a shorter period of time, and I'm hoping that as you're listening to this, you'll be able to identify if this is something that's worth exploring. If so, reach out to me, info.deniseglee.com slash connect and inquire about working with me one-on-one because this is definitely much more than I'm even hitting on the surface, okay? 
Well, if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you share this podcast with someone else. That way they can also be helped if that's something that they struggle with or they've talked with you about it. Because oftentimes we are knowing someone that is also suffering and doesn't know where to go or what to look for. So I'm hoping that you'll be able to be a support for someone else. Okay. Well, that is it. Thank you so much for listening. Take care and be awesome.